0: Welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences, and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quinturillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years' experience of mental health, disability, and human behavior. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I am so excited to have Dr Emma Cotterald here today who's going to talk to us about supporting people with depression. So Emma is going to introduce herself because I will not do her justice. Um, Welcome and thanks for coming on Emma. Oh, thank you for having me. Lovely to
1: be here. Yeah, so I'm Emma. I'm a clinical psychologist. I work privately. I work partly with people with mental health problems and partly people with neuropsychology issues. And yeah, that's me.
0: And so I've also been doing a bit of writing, which I'll talk to you a bit about. I'm so thrilled to have you on. So I have read One of your books. I'm still halfway through the other, (laughs) but your book, um "How to Support Someone with Depression," really opened my eyes up. And I'm a psychologist, so that's why I was so excited to have you on and to talk a little bit about it. So, if it's okay, is it all right for you to tell us a little bit about what made you write the book and who it's aimed at?
1: Yeah. So it's as you say, it's how to help people with depression, how to help someone with depression, and obviously in my work or throughout, actually my also my mental health work and my neuropsychology work, and throughout my career, I've worked with people. With depression, and I've seen the different ways it presents for people, and also the impact it has on the people around them. And that to help support someone with depression, whether that's someone, whether it's your partner, whether it's somebody in your family, whether it's a child, whether it's you know your colleague or friend or neighbour, it has an impact. And so I wanted to be able to write about how how to help those people, those those supporters, to be able to understand what depression is, to have a sense of the experience of depression. And also you think about how to help.
0: That's what yeah. really struck me is that actually as a psychologist, a see lots of my career lots of people with depression and sometimes we will factor in talking about their loved ones or significant others but this is the first time I've come across someone who's really focused on what is it like from the other side and not just as well for a significant other that's the thing that struck me many of us might have friends and colleagues with depression a might not really be that sure about what depression is how it presents so there can be a lot of stereotypes so we may miss it perhaps in friends and colleagues or we may not understand but also then how do we help them or how do we be around them even because it might not be that they actually need. Help and we'll come on to that. But, um, you know, sometimes we're not sure, and when we're not sure, we can back off. So, one of the things I really want to get out from today is what can people take away in terms of how to support someone, but also to behave around them as well, and how that actually might be helping that person and helping them get back to life again. So, I guess one of the things we wanted to talk about is, you know, for somebody listening who might not know much about what depression is or how it presents, are you happy to let us know some little nuggets about, you know, how, what is depression? How might it present? How, where might it come from, of course?
1: Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think depression, obviously, we know it's one of the most common forms of mental health conditions that people can experience. And which, again, when we were thinking about, you know, I think about writing the book, knowing that we know that the that, that there are so many people out there who suffer from depression, who experience depression. And so for every person who is experiencing it, then they have, you know, they're surrounded by friends and neighbours and colleagues and loved ones who are, are there experiencing experiencing it with them in some form so again helping people understand what that person might be experiencing understanding how to help them felt really really important and so in terms of thinking about what we're talking about when we're talking about depression I think there are different ways you can look at it and certainly there's there's you know criteria out there for how to how to understand what a, a diagnosis of depression would look like. But I think it's also helpful to think about depression as existing as a bit of an, on a spectrum or a continuum, where one day you may have more symptoms. You may be more along one side of the spectrum. We have much more symptoms um, of the depression and um, another day it may be a lot less. I think for many people, they exist somewhere along that. Spectrum, moving backward and forward, and I think that's quite helpful for people to comprehend that it's not necessarily it's not a fixed state, and so it can look different on different days and different for different people, which is really important. But overall, we'd be looking at when we're thinking about what does depression look like. We may be looking at how does it affect the way the person feels, and that's not just thinking about them feeling sad, but there might be feelings of loneliness, there may be feelings of guilt and shame, there may be feelings of anger, there may be feelings of uh, anxiety. So actually within that sense of what depression feels like, there can be a whole wealth of of emotions that people experience. So there's the emotional experience of it. And then there's the, the cognitive experience, which when we say cognitive, it means thinking about the way that someone thinks, and what's sort of going on in their head. And so it may be thinking about how their thoughts are when someone's depressed and what happens is we tend to have a bit of a funnel where all our thoughts become very negative. I'm very focused in, in a way where they can become quite black and white so someone might experience lots of thoughts about good enough or I'm a failure or everyone else can do this and I can't and lots of very critical thoughts, lots of very negative thoughts, lots of thoughts which may feel like the future is hopeless or criticizing their past or comparing themselves to others so lots of different negative thoughts that can pop into someone's mind and that can get really 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 overwhelming for a person when those thoughts are there all the time then someone does get caught very much in the rumination of all those negative thoughts
0: I've said so much of what you said there just resonates doesn't it you know already I'm sure there's people that would listen to this and go really there are other things as well as what we think typically is depression (laughs) and they may be the signs that you might notice then rather than perhaps the depression underneath that yeah absolutely and then obviously for some people it
1: can just be very physical so it can be kind of not getting out of bed it can be not sleeping it can be physical in the sense of tummy aches and pains and just feeling kind of very heavy and feeling like you just it's some people talk about the concept kind of wading through treacle it's just like everything feels hard everything feels achy so you might experience it in a very physical lethargic way
0: yes yeah And
1: of course the behavioral side which again you might see a lot more of in terms of as, as if your friend or colleague or a loved one you might see behavioral changes you might see someone finding it really difficult to come out they might be staying home a lot they might be withdrawing they might be getting their work done they might be cancelling plans they might stop responding to messages so it might change the way that it looks behaviorally although I would say with that that I think there's also ways that some people can experience depression where the person almost goes the opposite way and goes into too much of a drive to compensate or almost to feel like they are trying to do their best they are working hard they are pushing themselves and almost they don't stop so it's almost goes the other way and so it might not look like anything's wrong it might look like they're functioning and working and parenting and doing all these things but actually inside they might be having a lot of these cognitive things going on and they might have lots of emotional experiences but it's not necessarily showing outwardly so I think it can present that's in so
0: many different ways. It really as I say there is no just here we are here are things to look out for but I think that's the message that can be useful to get out to people can't it and just then I'm just wondering how many people are going actually I know someone like that where perhaps you you have an inbuilt radar I do believe and sometimes we kind of know when something's not right. but it's those people that seem as I say sometimes fully made up you know they look like they spent ages getting ready we sometimes think of depression or I know when I first started my training I thought people with depression would perhaps not be taking care of themselves and those physical signs might be there but actually it's the fact that it can be right up the other end that the people that are doing everything and yeah. you know perhaps
1: overwhelm burnout type territory absolutely and i think often people see you know they, they they may come and sometimes have conversations where people will say but i don't you know i don't i can't be depressed because i'm doing all these things and i'm functioning and but actually inside there's you know all these awful feelings and all these horrible negative thoughts, and they're having to steel themselves to get through every bit of the day. And and so actually helping them still recognise the symptoms that are still there and understand that this can still be depression, and that people with depression can laugh and they can go out on a social event and look like they're having fun. And you know we know it just there's just not one size fits all. You know the person walking around with a metaphorical dark cloud over their head. It's it's not it, it's not always that.
0: So I'm thinking when we kind of bring that back down to someone who might be living with someone or have a close friend, maybe even a colleague at work, that that, that's something really important to think about, isn't it? Because sometimes we can be quite dismissive, either knowingly or unknowingly. Oh, they must be fine or there was nothing that, that, you know flagged up for me because perhaps we're working from the wrong kind of I don't know if framework's the right word but perhaps we have kind of schemas or frameworks about what someone with depression will look like behave like you know yeah that really resonated with me then but you know can't be depressed because they're coming out they're socializing and yeah I'm also thinking the dreaded P word you know if we put the pandemic on top of that Mm -hmm. there may be some people perhaps who are feeling like they've got to do all these things again to connect and look like they're doing really well but actually might be really struggling as a result of the pandemic but also perhaps just that there's depression either there before the pandemic being exacerbated by or developed as a result of absolutely
1: well I think obviously it's so important for all of us to be aware that the pandemic has you know this has been a hugely significant event in all our lives that has changed yeah so many things for all of us and the level of stress we've all been holding dealing with this even if you've actually feel like you've coped with it really well we've all been having to hold a certain level of, of, of stress and anxiety and just finding our way through these last couple of years but that's inevitably had an impact and then trying to find a way out of it again in these as we do come out the pandemic now is is tough for all of us but I think also say it's that idea of those perceptions that we have and as people looking at someone who maybe experiencing depression the what we bring to it like one of the things I write about in the book is the idea that understanding ourselves and what do we bring to this situation in terms of how do you view mental health issues how do you view someone who might be struggling how do you view depression in itself what do you think about it what do you think about people who have depression what, what do you think about what they should then do to get themselves out of the depression and all of that that we bring has an influence in how you tend to support them so it's important to be aware of what you're bringing if you're somebody who feels really responsible for helping others or if you feel that you know everybody who has depression should go on medication or go to therapy or whatever it is that what you're bringing could influence how you provide support and and it's important to be aware that might not always be in line with what the person need wants and needs so it's keeping that in mind but also that that we might have a perception of set as we were saying earlier like what a person with depression looks like and that or what their life might be like and you know so you might be someone who well there might be somebody who has you know, is in a great position financially or has a wonderful job or has an amazing, beautiful Instagram family or, you know, you might have all of that and you might say, well, they can't possibly be depressed. What's that about? And and again, it's knowing that it affects all of us. We Anybody can experience it no matter what your circumstances. And keeping all of that in mind is really
0: important. so much about what you just said I could almost do a podcast of each sentence that you just (laughs) said there but what's really interesting then isn't there is the kind of how to support someone and what that looks like and I guess we probably can't cover that in just one podcast episode but I'm just kind of thinking that if you were to put that on a spectrum at one end you've got people that perhaps feel they've got to go all in it's their job maybe there's some guilt and shame associated with it and it perhaps could become all-encompassing but I'm wondering actually as well we also need to highlight that other end that's a really good point that maybe there are people who presume it's up to you it's your depression you need to Deal with this. You need to seek the right kind of help or initiate doing that. And perhaps, you know, one of the things we can talk about then is how can we begin to have conversations? So, it, you know, there's the how do we notice, I guess, and what can we start to look out for? But if we are maybe concerned, either because someone might be masking or there's some really overt behaviors or things that have just set your radar, what can we do? If anything, is there a magic way we can begin to have conversations with people? Are there any do's or don'ts, maybe? about how to approach that yeah
1: Yeah, well I think like you say it's obviously quite there's so many different things so it's thinking that the most important thing is trying to get to to understand what's what that person is experiencing and then what do they need um and obviously that's most important and and a bit like I was just saying earlier thinking about what you bring to that and often we all have our ideas like if we're struggling what do we need we do we need someone who's at the end of the phone all the time do we need someone who's Saying, right, like, come on, get up, get out of bed, I'm taking you to the gym or whatever it is, what an idea of what I need in the situation. You might think when I'm feeling like this way, I want people to leave me alone and I want to be able to get back to a place and, you know, wait till I'm feeling better and then I'll come back. And And if you're like that, then you might withdraw your support because you think, no, 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 they won't want anyone to interfere until they're feeling better. And yes. um, so there's so much about understanding Knowing what you might want in that scenario isn't necessarily the same as what the other person wants, um, so it's keeping that in mind. So that's a sort of starting point. But initially, really, it's about if you notice something's wrong, and as you say, we often all have a radar. We see when something's changing. Somebody is maybe just acting differently. Maybe they seem more stressed. Maybe they maybe are not quite functioning the level that you'd expect from them or they're not as sociable as you expect or they seem to be really tired all the time or something's going on, then you'd want to be having those conversations to check in with them and just acknowledge and just really gently acknowledge like, are they okay? What how are they doing? What might be going on for them, what you might have noticed, and trying to initiate that. And it obviously it will depend on what your relationship is like that person and how how intimately you might know them or their life and the type of conversation that you might have with them. But for all of us, that just touching base with somebody and checking in is so powerful. And for someone, if they're struggling, to have someone, whether it's someone really close to them or someone who knows them a little bit more at a distance, actually sending that message to say, just checking in, how are you doing, um, is a really kind way to start. But I think with that, as I would also then say, and I talk about as well in the book, is that idea that sometimes it's really hard for someone to say how they're really feeling. And it's yes, that's a, there's good a bit point. of a conundrum that we talk about where when someone's feeling so awful and you know, you get asked that very question, like, How are you doing? How are you? And you, you feel the obligation to say, I'm fine, everything's fine. and um, because we do. You catch you. so many. <laughs> yeah, you feel like if you actually say what you're really feeling, often people feel that's too much. Then they don't really want to know that that's gonna to be too much of a burden on this person. I can't share all that. I can't tell them how bad this is. Um but then the problem is they don't tell them, you don't say it, and then you feel terrible because you know that this then, this connection you're having with this person isn't genuine because it's not really reflecting how you're really feeling inside, which can then make the person feel even worse. So they get stuck in this real conundrum. So I think often if you're unsure and you think something's not right, I wouldn't always, I'd always push maybe a little bit more gently uh, past the initial, I'm fine. I'd always want to check in, like, is that, you know, really how you're doing and I'm a bit worried about you or anything like that. But then, and I think once you've had those conversations, once you can start to identify maybe things are a bit tough, then again it depends how far those conversations go and how well you know the person if you can start having a conversation about you know do they feel like they are really struggling and and if you feel comfortable can you mention depression and see what they think about it and and what what sort of support they might feel they help and might might need and helping them think about that but but ultimately in a way it doesn't really matter if we to put a label on it really and some people don't want a label and that's fine or might even know whether the label's right ultimately it's just is this person struggling and can we help them can i help them and there are different different things you can do but i think you absolutely need to check in with that person about what they're going to find is most helpful so if we think about what we were just talking about earlier about people can experience depression in terms of the different sort of variety of symptoms. So if it's behavioural, if they're really struggling with being able to socialise or or sleep or get out of the house or do their shopping or whatever it might be in a very behavioural way, there might be some really practical things you could help them with if with their permission if they wanted you to, or things that you could do alongside them so you can help them together. So it might be about saying let's go out for a walk together or, or let's you know we'll go to that social event together and we'll and you know you can stay as long as you feel comfortable or it might be it might be encouraging them to you know if it's very severe depression you might be helping them to see can we just get up today should we just let's come and I'll sit with you in the kitchen and let's just sit downstairs and or I can help you um, pick out an outfit or there might be just little tiny steps you might help them with going at their pace going what's what they need depending on where they're at so you might help them in a very behavioral way but, but what is really important is to always gain their consent and to make sure that they're that is something that's going to be helpful for them so you'd want to be to check in what is useful for you what is how can I help you what would you You know what can I do and really helping them help them be in charge of that help them lead that and if they they don't know obviously if the depression is very severe they might you know almost not even able to find the words of what they want and need um in which case you can always ask consent of to say, can I suggest a couple of ideas? Can I suggest a couple of things and see if this works for you? And just put it out there and see and be completely open. to the fact, they might say that won't help me. I don't want to do that. Or I'm not ready for that. And that's okay, because it's really important to go at their pace.
0: So much of what you said there, I think people will just be listening and going, wow, I was just wondering how we break that down into even smaller steps, because each thing I could take another whole podcast and do it's the thing that came across for me then is just the person centered so in psychology quite often we talk about persons that you know that the person who has the depression or however they want to describe what they're experiencing um that they're at the center and you know looking at as you say sometimes people don't have the words to describe so it might be they're aware but they don't have the words or maybe they're not aware they don't really know what this is some people as well have backgrounds but they haven't been supported to understand what emotions they experience and have the language to express that as well so that's something to consider isn't it but I guess it's just that actually maybe what we think help looks like might actually be very different to what the person needs and I was thinking I wrote down then just you know don't presume I think that must be very validating for people what do you need and what don't you need so quite often in my clinic I use that what is helpful is there anything that isn't helpful and some people that come to see me quite often will say I know what isn't helpful and actually it might take a bit of time to then work out what is Some people might know an issue I don't want you to Come round, let yourselves in. I don't want you booking the GP for me, you know, talk to me. But also there's something you were saying there about your kind of flexibility. Perhaps on one day what they need might be very different to the next day. So that to me comes back to that not presuming, to having a really flexible approach. So even if I was thinking as well, actually, if you're supporting someone who perhaps has had depression before, that might be important, do you think, as well, in terms of it may not be the same as last time. What worked last time might not be the same this time, do you think? You know, in terms of that presuming again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to actually
1: before NCI, I probably I was jumping ahead there a bit to thinking about how you support someone behaviourally. But actually, what's most important is we think about just being able to sit and listen and be empathic and compassionate and, and provide someone the space to be able to talk, because that can be really hard. And just for someone experienced depression, to have someone who will sit and listen. And you know, we often talk in psychology and therapy about the idea of kind of coming alongside someone and just being able to sit with them and sit and listen and and sit with them and with where they're at with how they're doing and sometimes that can be really hard it can be difficult as a supporter um if that's something maybe you find challenging is to sit to someone who who is maybe very distressed or is feeling really really sad and hopeless or is feeling very anxious or 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 maybe just you know very irritable and, and and frustrated with the world and um, sometimes that can be really uncomfortable to sit with so again knowing what you bring as a supporter and being able to to practice really being able to just sit and listen without jumping in without making any assumptions about what the person where the person's at or what they need or why they're feeling that way but just being able to sit and listen and know that it might be really hard for that person to talk and you know we know that for some people they might feel you know, all the stigma of, of suffering from depression or suffering from a mental health condition, which means that they might really struggle to, to acknowledge what's, how they're feeling and what's going on for them. And so to be able to f- provide that really non-judgmental space is so important and that can make all the difference and not to jump in to try to problem solve because we can all be guilty of trying to... Just we
0: can you yes. shouldn't
1: make someone feel better to just find a way to you know if we just get out to the gym or if we just let's just go to this and let's do this and this is going to make you feel better and we all want to jump in and and but I think we have all know that experience of what it's like when actually you just want to talk and you just want someone to listen and the knowledge and to validate that it must be really tough for you right now or you must be feeling really sad and to hear that and just to have someone else acknowledge it and say I can appreciate it, it sounds really tough for you right now I'm so sorry how you're feeling and it must must be really difficult and and just to acknowledge it rather than to jump in and problem solve because for all of us to say we know that when somebody jumps in to try to problem solve with how you're feeling without really stopping and listening it can feel really invalidating and it can feel really frustrating and, and often you know lots of us are you know, we, we've often thought about some solutions or we know that some of the things that we should, could be doing or there'll be lots of depression will bring loads of negative thoughts in your head that tells you you should be doing this. You should be doing that. So having someone come in and say, "But if you just do this or if, why don't we do that? And it can feel really frustrating. So it's really important not to jump in too soon. And I think say not to assume, not to assume we you know what someone wants and needs. Yes. Um, so listen, and then you can start to begin to explore, like, how can I help? you know what can we do how can I help support you and starting to get some ideas together about how what you can do to how try and make it better but but knowing that people need to be ready sometimes
0: for that next step
1: and it takes time
0: it's that time isn't it so I guess sometimes especially I'm thinking maybe even the closer you are to someone maybe does that increase those emotions of I need to do something our own cognitions our own perhaps negative thoughts about I need to get them better or perhaps how the future is going to look if we don't intervene we might have maybe preconceptions about what depression is like if it's left untreated for example so the big thing I'm taking away from this is kind of leaning in we use that a lot (laughs) I've spoken about that a lot on this podcast already leaning in and perhaps you know being aware of our own urge to help and I was going to say as well that kind of urge to rescue you know I need to be the one to kind of deal with this but actually that perhaps solutions aren't sometimes practical things it's more about what you don't do sometimes which perhaps as a concept is very new to people that you know maybe we've been told to deal with depression, you've got to get out, you've got to get moving or, you know, there is a lot out there, you know, physical movement is very good for your well-being and, you know, connecting with nature, but actually it has to be the right time. So there's something about time, something about space, creating maybe a safe space from what you say that they've got a place, they might not begin to talk straight away that they've got, I call it stable base in my practice, that they perhaps begin to know when you ask that you mean it. And I've talked about this actually with a couple of guests already, that difference between how are you but you're kind of walking past and versus how are you and I'm waiting for the answer I'm here if you want to talk so there's definitely something in there about time not rescuing yeah, and I think absolutely. for a lot of people this might be really new new concepts that I don't have to do practical things
1: yeah yet. and I think there's a couple of things there when you were talking that I think I mean the, like I said there's lots of these things that we could probably talk about lots and lots of ideas yeah. and likely we'll run out of time <laughs> to be able to do that but a couple of things from what you're saying there that I think there's there's something about being able to be really patient. So being able to know that um, yes, it, it will take time, and that sometimes you may offer support, or you may you, you may see what might you think may help, or all these things. But but it may take time, and you need to be patient, and to be able to know that you might have conversations about, for example, supporting someone with with coming out for a walk. But it might take two or three weeks before actually have a bit of sort of stop start <laughs> before it actually yes. happens. And so the pace that you'd like them to go to go at might not be the pace that that person can actually go at and just really acknowledging that and that obviously with that becomes frustrations for you as a supporter it's okay that there's gonna be times when you might feel really frustrated you might feel irritated you might feel cross you might obviously feel sad worried like you you yourself will experience lots of different emotions in your journey as a supporter and that it can be really difficult when you think but they just need to get up and do this and they just need to do that. And why don't they do this? And it can be really frustrating, especially, of course, if it's someone that you need and rely on in your life, that like you need, whether it's your partner or it's, a, you know, someone in your family and, and and obviously, so then when they can't perhaps fulfill a certain role because the depression gets in the way, then it's really tough because then it falls on you. And so that is, that's tough. And, and, yeah. and obviously if you aren't you know, supporting someone who perhaps has experienced depression at different times through their lives, so that's not the first time you've been in this journey with them, then it's hard and it can weigh down on you too. And that's one of the big things I talk about in the book is how important is you get your own support and you have your own network of support and that if you need to, you need to take time to look after you because you can burn out as a supporter and you can overwhelmed and then you can it's hard to be empathic it's hard to be compassionate because you're feeling frustrated so it's understanding all those things but but also understanding that when somebody is struggling to do something it's not because you know some of the really negative stigma around depression it's not because they're lazy it's not because they're just not trying hard enough it's not because they don't want to it's you know all these kind of ideas that people sometimes might develop about someone with depression because what it might look like on the outside it's remembering that going back to what we said at the beginning, if they're experiencing this overwhelming negative inner dialogue that's going on that's telling them how awful they are and how hopeless things are, and if they're feeling physically awful and emotionally overwhelmed and yes. everything, the idea of trying to do anything feels really tough, then it can be so overwhelming, and they can have the best of intentions. And something I talk about in the book about the idea that you can, they can absolutely want to make a plan with you and and, and want to come to a social event or want to do something, and then they can't and it's and and because the depression just throws up too many barriers and they don't achieve it and it can be really frustrating as a friend or a colleague and experiencing that cycle happening and and all of those things are, are really tough so there's lots of different things that you're trying to navigate and and I'd say just with the patience that I'd also add in there that it's about not giving up and and particularly like if you're a friend or a neighbour, colleague, your, your family member perhaps from afar and you're, for example, you're, you're sending them messages or you're calling on the phone or you're trying to connect with them and can't, plans get cancelled or they don't reply to your messages or they don't pick up the phone, it can be easy to either give up or to think, well, they don't want me to contact yes. them or they don't yeah. want that. And, and there is a fine line, you obviously don't want to bombard someone, but but actually it's okay to send the message and say, I'm just checking in. I understand you might not be able to reply. I just want you to know I'm here. Um, And don't expect to reply. If you get one, brilliant. And when you do get one in the future, brilliant, celebrate it. But just knowing that, that all those things might take time.
0: There's so much of what you said there that made me think there may be something for the person and their depression, and we call that their formulation, versus also the formulation of the person supporting them or living with them or, you know, colleague at work and how sometimes those two formulations might clash. So if you've got the person with depression who might be struggling, there may be guilt and shame there around not being able to reply to messages or letting people down. But equally, the person leaning in and wanting to help might have disappointment if they've not heard back, or they might feel rejection even, you know, really difficult concepts, but that it's okay. We need to be aware that perhaps sometimes those formulations might clash. Um, but I'm also wondering that if you are someone with depression and you are starting to notice perhaps particularly feelings of guilt or shame and you perhaps are feeling like you want to reconnect with people what might show up then you know what might people in yeah, your experience absolutely. be going
1: yeah and I think okay. it's such a common thing when people feel yeah. like that, that depression when it really takes hold it can really cause you to withdraw to avoid to stop answering the phone stop sending messages to Stop going to you know, your favorite club or, yes. or going yeah. to work regularly or, or all sorts of things. And it does come with so much guilt and shame that you haven't been, first of all, that you haven't been able to do it in the first place. But then when you do start to get better and you start to be feeling lighter and the depression gets lighter, and I shall just pause for a second to say, I, I know we've both been doing this through the podcast, but perhaps just to point out to people um, listening that one of the big things that you can do just in your language where I say it's a small thing, but actually it's a big thing is to be able to say it's the depression rather than the, your depression, um, yes. which is very different. It's that like someone can be experiencing depression. And but if you talk about the depression as something that you can both tackle together, then that's such, that makes such a big a big difference to bit rather than it's something that located in the person it can be something that you can both talk about the depression is really you know is really heavy today or the depression is really loud today or I can see the depression is really tough for you today so it's provides a way for you to be able to both talk about the depression as something that located outside of that person and that makes it much easier to tackle together so sorry i've derailed so that, myself a little bit slightly but i'll
0: come back to the point you did that ask me kind of, about. <laughs> that process of in systemic therapy we call that externalization don't yeah. we so it's quite Absolutely. nice sometimes we even go a step further and give it a form or a shape and describe you know the depression i remember i had permission to share this many 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 years ago um a patient saying it was like a, a kind of a bath sponge that got saturated and other times the sponge was drier and there wasn't so much liquid and that really helped them to kind of navigate how they were feeling but it was nice because the sponge was something external i think that's a really healthy i I think that a lot of people will be able to use that um, yes talk yeah. about and depression. Talk about it
1: absolutely Yeah, way and like say have a sometimes you know whether it's almost like this really heavy rucksack you're wearing on your back or whatever it is like a sense of what is it that you're carrying with you but it's not you it's not the person themselves and it's really important to distinguish the two but you know going back to what you were asking about the idea of obviously it can be so difficult when you when for the person with depression when they've stopped making contact they've stopped they've withdrawn they've ignored messages they've maybe missed really important events in their friends lives or their family's lives they've maybe not attended a wedding or you know really big things which yes, can be of course, so yeah. awful they might feel so terrible and as they start to to feel better and the depression get lifts and they start to feel lighter um the the guilt and shame that can come at that point it can be Awful and it can be paralyzing, and it can feel like, How can I ever make contact with this person again? How can I answer them when I can see on my phone I've got 20 WhatsApps that I've not replied to? And it can just feel so dreadful. Yes. And the person can feel so awful about themselves, about the relationship, about everything. So, obviously, for them as part of their recovery, it will be about how do they reach out to these people that they stopped making contact with. But for you as a supporter, it's knowing that if someone has stopped making contact, if they have stopped, replying to messages or attending things that they've missed really important events in your life or they've forgotten your children's birthdays or whatever it is it's remembering that that it that is about the depression that's getting in the way um so to really try to hold that compassion and to still keep reaching out and if they that person does contact you to to really welcome that because that will have been a really big step for them to do
0: yes I'm wondering if good old values can help there a little bit you know what do you value what? about this person why are you friends? what's your history because sometimes drawing on those things can really help because we might feel you know we want you know we also don't want to invalidate the person supporting you might feel a bit rejected or you might think well I'm trying my best and I'm you know maybe you know that expression that you know maybe they, they don't want to be with me anymore or they don't want to know me anymore so you know that kind of getting that balance of actually what do I value about this person you know and and, and the depression as you say is just altering their behavior and how have to kind of lean back yes. into that as well. Yes.
1: And that would yeah. be nice in terms of I mean, as say, we love we love some values where I can um yes, <laughs> as a supporter to be able to think about what do I, you know, what are my values about the friend I want to be and about the or the partner I want to be or the family member and what's important to me in terms of the values that I live with, live by. Um, and so then if you are feeling frustrated and fed up or um or upset in your relationship with this other person being able to unhook from those ideas and to to hold on to those values and what would you as a kind friend, as a caring friend, you know, what would you do in this moment? How would you be,
0: you know? So those values, decision? values for yourself, how do I want to be as a spouse yeah. partner yeah. friend colleague whatever it be but also how do I want to kind of connect with the values about yeah. the friendship maybe about the relationship yeah. and I'm thinking this that's quite a lot for people to hold in mind you know being <laughs> with someone with depression caring for someone perhaps if you have a more formal role or just having a friend and you know I know people in my life who you know depression's come and gone but it's been around for many years and sometimes it can be hard to know what to say and sometimes you can reach fatigue so yeah. I'm just thinking how could people take care of themselves what are some of the things they might yeah. want to think about yeah and, 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 and what are the barriers to that
1: yes and absolutely and it's so so important to look after yourself in this because it is tough and that often when people experience depression it is a journey it's not a one-off moment or a yes. week or two weeks in someone's life it's it's something in which for some people obviously can dip in and out through their lives it can be so presence for other people it might be a particular period of their time of life and then and then it lifts and they don't necessarily experience it again um, but it's knowing that as a supporter you have to be able to look after yourself and it's okay to put your needs first when you you know when when that's important for you it's it's okay to know that you can't put you on for making that other person better um better in the sense that it's really, really important that that you think about your own self care and that and it can be hard, I think, when you know that somebody else is going through a really difficult time experiencing something, especially if it's a very significant depression, but but it, you know, yep. whatever the form it's taking, if you know someone that's experienced depression and you're not, it can be easy to think, well I need to give them everything and, and actually my needs can't come above that. And actually that's really not the case. You have to be able to look after yourself. Um you have to be able to look after your needs and prioritize you know your own families or your own friends or your own hobbies or whatever it is you need to to do that because again you need your strength and your you to you to be at full capacity if you are going to offer any support to anybody yes. else so that's so important yeah. but also you deserve you know you deserve self care and support as much as as anybody else so it's not a case of anybody deserving it less or more it's just that it is really important that you know that it's okay for you to take time for you too and particularly if you are feeling like you're getting burnt out and you're feeling like you are running out of steam or you're losing your compassion or you're getting really irritated or you're just feeling exhausted by it then making sure you one that you take time for your self-care and all the things that we know that's important whether it's you know that you make sure you get your exercise in because that's what makes you feel good or you um make sure you go and see your friends and do lovely things um or all the you know you have your bath or you do your have a massage or you do your yoga or whatever the things are that for you that work and you engage in your self-care but also it may be that you have your own therapy support if that works for you if that's something that's helpful yeah. and certainly I work with people who are supporting someone else and that's really important that they have their space to be heard and listened to and and that makes them stronger to then to be able to go out and be that support to their friend or their loved one so that's really important, and. And obviously, knowing the options for the, your loved one that that where they can engage and support because that part of that you can't be the only one responsible. Uh, yes, and that's a really good point. Sometimes people can take that burden on a great deal yes. themselves, and and you can't be. And obviously, for everybody, there is potentially other people in their system. They might have other friends or family members, but there's also um, knowing that you know we do we are incredibly lucky in our country. We have resources with the NHS. There are resources out there. There's lots of great psychoeducation out there, some good books, including this one. <laughs> Very good book. Um, there's, there's uh, you know, there's there's places out there for support and it's really important to reach out for those and to know that you can't, as a supporter, take it all on your shoulders because that's yes. that's exhausting and it's it's a really, that's too high a burden to carry. So it's really important that you have support and obviously to encourage your loved one to have support. And it is okay to have that conversation to say, actually, I can't can't do this all on my own I can't support you all on my own Um, I do want you to have as much support as possible but I need you you know let's let's think about this together where else can we find this support
0: so perhaps in psychology we sometimes call that boundaries don't we and they can sometimes be tricky but there's a couple of things I've taken away from there that you know that it's okay to look after yourself but to do the nice things because I'm wondering whether there's sometimes a double layer of guilt well it's all right for me to go and have my doctor's appointment or you know go and pay the utility bill for five minutes and leave you but actually, it's all right to enjoy things and, to uh, yes. you know, work on yourself. And actually, you know, that kind of phrase you can't give from an empty cup, that if your values are around caring for them being there, that you need to top that up. And of course, we're both psychologists with many, many, many years experience. We really <laughs> were doing our jobs properly. If we didn't say, if people are concerned about risk, if you're feeling you're managing a situation that's just outside of what you feel able to, what should people do, what, what's the kind of port of call for people who may be listening to this, thinking I'm really struggling and maybe there are risk issues with safety.
1: Yeah, I think if you are ever concerned about risk, then it's really important to always reach out. That that's obviously the number one, and that to to be able to, if you're at all concerned about risk of harm to somebody, then to be able to reach out to, you know, you can contact the GP, you can contact, you, you can go to A and E, you can contact 999 if you need to, depending on the emergency. But certainly, you can always reach out for for support. Um, there are some great services, I would say. For, for this for a person when they are feeling really overwhelmed, there are services like the Samaritans and Shout, which is a great text line which people can use. Right. But in terms of if you but that's more about support. Um but in terms of actually being able to take action, if you are really concerned about harm, then always reach out. And I think it is important for people to know that somebody sometimes somebody might say to you, the person with depression might say to you, um, you know, I'm having these thoughts. So I want to harm myself, I don't feel safe, um, but I don't mean to tell anybody. And and it's really important to know that, yes. that just as the same for us as psychologists, those are confidences that we can't keep when it's a risk of harm. And it's it's really important to, to know that you can reach out for help at those points because it's not your burden to carry again, it's not your risk to carry. And it's yes. so important that someone does get the help and support they need. I mean, there is one of the things I talk about in the book is that when someone experiences depression, we do know that thoughts around harm and can come with that. And there are different ways that that can express itself and there's different levels of risk within that and I've written about it a lot in the book I think it's important for people to, to read that if they want to know yes, more, because I absolutely. I don't want us to do a disservice by, absolutely. by we can't cover it too briefly yeah. giving the yeah. wrong idea because and ultimately what, what I also emphasize obviously in, in the book is that if you are ever concerned about risk then you seek help and you seek support
0: that's I think really it's probably important. very comforting for people to know it's okay that you don't have to manage this all alone and it's okay to step out of a friendship or a relationship or boundaries in order to keep someone safe. Mm-hmm. So at the end of every guest episode I ask people, have you got one adversity takeaway for people on supporting someone with depression? One little nugget. Oh, it's a good question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean it's it's really difficult. I don't know how I'd pick. I think being able to just be there. So whether that's physically being there to listen, whether that's checking in every now and again so that you're not leaving them, even if you're not getting a reply, whether it's just that, you know, checking in at work or whatever it is and, and, and being able to just be there with them, even if they're not ready to do anything, if they're ready to to get up and go out, coming and sitting in the garden with them and having that cup of tea, just to be there because that can mean the world really and that opens you up the chance to be able to grow that support from there. But but to be there with the caveat of make sure you look after yourself.
0: <laughs> I like that. So you can be there, but you still need to be looking after yourself. Yeah. Dr. Emma Cottrell, thank you so much. So you've got two books out, haven't you? But the one we're concentrating on today, because I'm going to have you back on again, tell us a little bit about the name of the book, where we can find it, and also where we can find you if people listening today want to know more about you and your work. Thank you. So the book, obviously, what we've been
1: talking about is How to Help Someone with Depression. It's by myself, so Dr. Emma Cottrell. And I mean, you can find it in most good book shops and online lots of different online stores will, will have this Amazon, WH Smith, Waterstones, etc. You should be able to find it everywhere. It's published by Wellback and the aim of it really was to to make it hopefully a really easy, easy book to pick up and read and you can just pick the chapter that makes a sense for you at the time when yes. you read it, because I wanted to make it really accessible. So hopefully that's what people will find if you if you pick it up and have a look and if you want to know more about me then you can check out my website so it's empowerpsychology.co.uk
0: or my instagram account which is the same name people must go check out emma (laughs) thank you so so much we have to say we're in the middle of a heat wave and you're podcasting (laughs) with me in a heat wave so what does that say about you? So thank you so much, Emma. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to have you back on to talk about your other book, aren't we, in the next series, which is like, be uh, so exciting. Can't wait for that. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist Podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo, and you can find me at drtara.co.uk. You'll see everything I'm up to free resources, my media work, and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist Podcast, helping you. While step at a time.